Great start off to your week. It is Monday here on Han Talks First. This is episode 129. If you're new here, well, we're a Star Wars podcast called Han Talks First. I'm the host, Han, of course, and this is the podcast you're looking for. We talk about the latest and greatest in the Star Wars world. Today, we got a lot of great things to talk about, even though there's not much going on at the moment in the Star Wars universe, but we're still going to have fun here and listen to what you guys have to say and talk about some update some news that's going on in the world and uh, just have a lot of fun i hope you guys had a great weekend i'd love to know what you did i hope you had fun i hope it was relaxing if you had a busy week uh for me uh if for those of you who know me you know i'm a big horror fan i love uh scary movies and things like that and one of my favorite uh franchises for horror is the conjuring the conjuring one and two especially the first one hold a very special place in my heart uh i think the conjuring the first movie is actually one of the greatest movies ever made. It the cinematography, the acting, the direction, even the script itself. It's a fantastic not only horror movie but just a standalone film on its own. And then they made the second one and it was like, okay, this is my new franchise. And of course they spun it off with like Annabelle and La Llorona and all these kind of other spin-off series related to The Conjuring. And I was just in love with this new universe. So this weekend, I went to go watch Conjuring 3. <sighs> I was already skeptical because the original director of the first two had left, James Wan. Brilliant director. A lot of you guys might know him from the Aquaman movies. He directed the first one. And he also did Fast and Furious 7, I believe. And anyway, he left the project. He's still a producer, but he, he wasn't directing this third one. He wanted to do other things besides horror. And then he... When he left, the original writers of the first two decided, well, we don't want to be involved. So it was a brand new director, brand new writers. Uh, it was just so much different. It wasn't the same. And, and it, it wasn't good <laughs> to me. To me, it wasn't good. It wasn't scary at all. Everything was just so cliche. Like I had seen every scare that they put in this movie before. And the story just wasn't good. Uh, it, you know, it's better than most horror movies that are put out there, but just wasn't the same. But anyway, that's kind of a little bit of what I did. I also saw Cruella, which was nice. Um, I fell asleep <laughs> during the second half of Cruella. Not because it was bad, but because I was just really tired. I had a really busy week. So busy, actually, that I didn't even get to watch The Bad Batch. So for those of you wondering why there wasn't a Bad Batch episode on the podcast yesterday, that's why. I still haven't watched it. I will get around to it probably tonight. And at some point, I will post my Bad Batch episode six review on the podcast, which you can listen to. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just been a busy week. but So sorry about that, everybody. But in the meantime, all the other review episodes of the Bad Batch are currently live on YouTube, on Twitch, and on the podcast forum. So if you want to check out my thoughts there, 
head on over to those episodes and you can listen to them there. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everybody that there is a tipping option if you are, want to support this channel on a monetary level. You can just go over to streamelements.com slash first slash tip. There you can choose whatever denomination you'd like. You can send in your questions or thoughts and we'll get to read them on the show and also use them as main topics for standalone videos. And of course, you don't have to support. But if you do, it's much appreciated. Times are tough. And I know they're tough for everybody, so I don't want to be selfish. So what are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about a bunch of cool things. We're talking about Hot Toys, the toy manufacturer. We're talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's some new updates for that. There's some set leaks going on. And we're also talking about, of course, the main topic today, Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron movie. There's been some new updates about some of the team she is assembling to put this film together. And it's getting pretty exciting. And uh, before we get into all that, I want to remind everybody, me and my girlfriend, we usually host a Marvel TV after show. Every time Marvel releases a television series on Disney+, Plus, we host the after show. We talk about it. We do theories. We talk to you guys and uh, just overall enjoy the show. So Loki is coming out on Wednesday. I'm really excited for Loki. This one looks like it's going to be my favorite so far of the Marvel TV series for Disney+. Plus. So we'll be hosting an after show. I don't know what day yet. I think the show itself comes out on Wednesday. So we might do an after show Thursday, Friday. We'll see what the schedule looks like. But me and her will be doing that. Um, we're probably just going to call it the Loki after show. And I don't have any artwork to share at this time. But uh, at as soon as I do, I'll share it with you. But that's something to look forward to as well. And why is the Loki series important to a Star Wars podcast? Well, it's actually very interesting because the writer, the writer and showrunner of the Loki show, Michael Waldron, he was actually hired by Kevin Feige to write his Star Wars movie. So apparently this Loki series was good enough to not only Kevin Feige invite him on to write for Star Wars, but also the new Doctor Strange movie. So this guy must have some special tricks up his sleeves. No pun intended, since Loki is kind of, you know, a, mag a magician, <laughs> a wizard. But this is something really interesting. So I think we'll learn a lot about this writer's style, this writer's tone from the Loki series, and see how that will mesh into Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie, which as of right now, we still know nothing about. Nobody but Kevin Feige himself. And I guess now Michael Waldron. But so that's something really interesting to look forward to. And I've never heard of Michael Waldron before. But he's going to be a, he's going to be the next Star Wars writer for a, a movie. And it's you know, it's going to be a big movie because it's got Kevin Feige involved. So we have that to look forward to as well. And uh, as soon as we get more details, I will let you guys know about those. And now before we get into saying hello to you guys who are watching us live, thanks for joining us. And some of the main topics. Let's get into our first segment of the show as we do every week on Han Talks First. And here is Star Wars Replay. Enjoy. Star Wars Replay. Star Wars Replay is where we replay major moments and events that happened this week in Star Wars history. And this week, tons of birthdays this week in the Star Wars world. All the way back in 1952, Liam Neeson, who plays Qui-Gon Jinn in The Phantom Menace, is born. In 1974, Dave Filoni, the creator of Star Wars Rebels, The Mandalorian, and executive creative director at Lucasfilm, is born. In 1970, Claudia Gray, a Star Wars author, is also born. In 1981, Queen Amidala herself, Natalie Portman, is born. 
And finally, in 1987, Daniel Logan, the actor portraying young Boba Fett in the prequels, is born. That's it for Star Wars Replay. Tune in next week to find out what major moments and events happened next week in Star Wars history. So for me, I think the most important one on that list was Dave Filoni. Happy birthday to Dave Filoni this week. You know, he, of course, is the closest thing we've ever had to George Lucas. Probably the closest thing we are ever going to have to George Lucas. And he's just a humble guy. He's really sweet. He knows Star Wars. He's a great storyteller. You know, I still say to this day, my favorite Dave Filoni is Star Wars Rebels. I love that show. I think it's fantastic. And I'm currently in the midst of rewatching the entire series because my girlfriend has not seen it. And yeah, I don't know. Happy birthday, Dave Filoni. Thank you for everything you do to Star Wars. And thank you for everything you are going to do to Star Wars. I think I'm really most looking forward to your Ahsoka TV show. But anyway, welcome to all you guys watching live. It looks like we have a couple people on YouTube. We have a couple people on Twitch. And we have some watching on Facebook. So thank you very much. A special shout out to Max. Hello, I see you in the chat. Hello, Mike. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Robin. And thank you guys for joining us and anyone else who is watching. If you want to throw your name in there, say hello. Uh, that would be nice. I can uh, return the favor. So let's jump into this first bit of news here. This isn't really anything major importance. This is just something I found interesting. Do any of you know what hot toys are? I think it's by Sidecar Collectibles is the overall company that make these toys. But hot toys is a very specific set of action figures heavily detailed, uh, just extremely handcrafted like to perfection. And I don't own any myself, but I look at all of them and they come out. Now, Hot Toys makes a bunch of different variety of characters, but 18% of Hot Toys inventory is actually based on Star Wars. So the one of the owners or one of the runners of Hot Toys recently came out and made a comment about the Star Wars action figures. And um, since I'm talking about it, for those of you watching the video, here's an example of what some of these look like. So this is one of Anakin and Obi-Wan in the Clone Wars attire. And heavy detail, they're just, they're beautiful works of art. They really are. And the owner of Hot Toys came out and said that he is not interested in making any future Star Wars Hot Toys based around anything after the original trilogy. And I thought this was really interesting. And his point was, the sales did terribly. According to Hot Toys inventory, all Hot Toys that were made about sequel characters, example, Rey, Kylo Ren, uh, John Boyega, Finn, all that kind of stuff, didn't sell. They didn't. Well, they sold a couple of copies, but they didn't sell as much as the original trilogy, like Darth Vader, the Anakin example, all that kind of stuff. So he's actually putting a halt on them until he sees more demand for them. What's actually funny, even though uh, Star Wars Hot Toys cover about eighteen percent of Hot Toys uh, manufacturing, they are still the highest uh, grossing toys that they make even more than Marvel. And Marvel has 47% of Hot Toys inventory. Pretty insane. So it just still goes to show you that Star Wars is just as popular as it has ever been. Maybe not so much with the sequels, but there, there is still a market out there of people that really do enjoy those movies. And part of the problem why they might not be selling well is because they're so damn expensive. 
<laughs> you know, if you're talking about four or 500, sometimes even more dollars a pop, that's ridiculous. I would never spend that kind of money on a, on a action figure. I mean, if I had the money, maybe, but I'm, I don't have that kind of money. But anyway, I just thought that was interesting. I wanted to share it. And uh, if there's any more news about it, we'll talk about it. So let's talk about some real news, some actual stuff that's going on recently. And this is all about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, there were some recent uh, updates. There were some set leaks about the new location that they're shooting at. And I will put some up on the screen here for you guys to see. And for those of you listening on the podcast, I will just be as descriptive as possible. So new images have given a first glimpse of the rumored Star Wars set that's being built on a remote location in Perthshire countryside. Now, Perthshire is part of Glen Tilt, which is north of Blair Athrall. Now, I think this is Scottish Highlands area. And for those of you who remember, a long time ago, I did an episode about this uh, scouting crew that was looking at locations in the Scottish Highlands for a potential movie upcoming. And it was rumored that it was actually for Taika Waititi's movie. And it looks like they have gone back, not only for Taika's movie, but also for the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Some people speculate it's for Andor, but this is actually for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And here is why. Because the local, even though the locals have been sworn to secrecy amid all the rumors about the filming of a TV show called Pilgrim. Now, Pilgrim is actually the working title for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So this is from Obi-Wan. They are apparently currently shooting in Scotland, uh, in the uh, Highland area. And we didn't get much photos of the actual set because they were guarded by tents and crew. But it's a pretty big crew. And I'm just happy to see that they're going to be shooting on location again because... You know, it's it's nice to get out of just the visual uh, CGI environment every once in a while. But this is also interesting because this proves that we are going off Tatooine. Obi-Wan Kenobi will be leaving Tatooine in the Obi-Wan show, which is what a lot of people were wondering was going to happen or not. And I think these pictures prove that. Now, of course, this could also mean that these are just flashbacks. It could be flashbacks to a period of time during the Clone Wars where Obi-Wan and Anakin are fighting on a, a foreign planet in the foliage there. But it could also mean that it is going to happen in real time where Obi-Wan Kenobi has to go off-world for some reason that we don't know. But this is really interesting. Like I said, there's not much to see in the photos. They apparently will be there until June 18th shooting. That's a, that's a long time. That's about two weeks of work as of right now. And two weeks for one location is actually a lot. So we might be spending a lot of time on whatever planet this is in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And uh, again, it looks kind of like a farmland. It reminds me of the Mandalorian episode where they went to the village, if you guys remember. But again, we'll have to see. And it's also fitting because Ewan McGregor is Scottish. So it's going back to his homeland to shoot some, some Star Wars. Now, like I said at the top of the show, we there's actually not a lot to talk about today. There's very little topics, but so we really only have one more topic to talk about today. But of course, if you guys want to mention anything you've possibly heard or rumors about Star Wars or just fun topics, let me know. But before we get into the Patty Jenkins stuff, we're going to go into our next segment of the show, which is Star Wars Replay. And this one is not, not Star Wars Replay. Today, I learned Star Wars. 
And today's version of that is very interesting, something I think you guys will enjoy. And I found it pretty interesting. I think we can talk more about it. But here is Today I Learned Star Wars. This week on Today I Learned Star Wars. Before George Lucas sold Star Wars to Disney, he started work on the sequel trilogy himself. With the help of screenwriter Michael Arndt, they started penning the script for Episode 7, featuring a new female lead Jedi. Rey almost wasn't called Rey. Previous versions of the character were known as Sally, Rachel, and Kira. Sally and Rachel were likely placeholders, but Kira lasted right up until they began shooting and was changed after it leaked to the public. Michael Arndt described the character that would become Rey as a loner, hothead, gearhead, badass woman. That's Today I Learned Star Wars. Tune in next week for more fun facts on Han Talks First. Is it possible to learn this power? So what I find most interesting about today's segment of Today I Learned Star Wars is all the concept art that I was able to find based on the original versions of Rey, also known as Kira. We do know that when George Lucas was creating Episode 7 for himself, he did hire Michael Arndt, and they were penning a script for what they envisioned it would be. And the original main character was Kira, eventually was, you know, re-envisioned into what we now know as Rey. But Kira was very similar in concept. And some of the concept art you saw is what they thought she looked like. Very similar to Rey. Um, You know, they obviously messed with or, or played around with different races and stuff like that. So they didn't have anything directly in mind. But it's interesting to look at the concept art. And I really hope, I really hope one day we get to find out more about that character about George Lucas's episode seven. It's just apparently the Michael Arndt script before JJ Abrams and Lawrence Kazan were writing the force awakens. Apparently his was really, really good. And it was also true to what George Lucas originally envisioned to happen in his sequel trilogy. Hopefully someday we'll get that kind of news, but it's interesting to find out the history of the character Ray. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, Star Wars replay and today I learned Star Wars will be back next week on the show so you can look forward to that and of course those are done by my lovely girlfriend Chris so let's talk about Rogue Squadron probably the reason why you all are here actually let me get into the comments here and see what you guys are saying here before we get into it because I don't want to miss any of you Okay, hello, Max. Uh, Right now, I'm planning to watch many horror franchises right now. I'm watching the Jaws movies, and I watched the first one, and I think it's a great movie, and I also watch the Alien movies. Hell yeah. I love Jaws. I I recently watched Jaws last month, or like two months ago. It still holds up. It's an amazing movie. The camera work is brilliant. The blocking is insane. It's, It's a direction masterpiece. Steven Spielberg was put all of his eggs in one basket, so to speak. But I'm glad you're watching those again. And uh, Alien is great, too. So horror is just... The reason why I love horror movies so much is because they are the most creative. I mean, when you think about budget alone, when someone wants to make a horror movie, they don't do well at the box office. So they're given a low budget to go out and make the movies. And because of that, they have to get more creative. They have to find ways to use their money in ways that... You know, most people don't have like the big budget movies have the luxury of doing that. They don't. So they got to find new ways to shoot things. They get to be very creative with that. And I think that's what makes them so much better and artsy and things like that. So, yeah, horror movies have a great place in my heart and even foreign horror movies. Korea is really knocking them out of the park right now. You know, we have Parasite, which was amazing. And then there's another one called The Wailing, which me and my girlfriend watched. I think it's on Amazon. If you guys haven't seen The Wailing, 
fantastic horror movie. It's very grounded and realistic, but it's it's also plays off Korean mythology as well. So that's something I look forward to. Not to mention Japan has great horror, which ugh, I could talk about. I could do a whole podcast on horror movies, <laughs> but I'm glad you're watching some, Max. I think that Michael Waldron recently commented on his work with Kevin Feige and Kathleen Kennedy. Yes, he did. Um, he did make some comments and uh, be excited to see where it's going from there. I think Michael Waldron wrote some episodes of Rick and Morty. Interesting. I've never seen that show, but that's cool. Um, I remember Scouting Rumor, and the rumor said it was for Taika's movie, but I think it's possible the location will be used for both projects. I think so, too. Uh, I am under the uh, report that the scouting in Scotland was for Taika Waititi's movie. Uh, I would almost be... I'm probably 90% sure that it's for Taika's movie. But, you know, it costs a lot of money for a scouting crew to go out and get a location and take pictures and stuff like that. So there's a possibility that they would want to return to get their money's worth. But also, it's a very big space and it does look off-worldly. So I think so, too. Josh Anderson is here. Welcome, Josh. Good to see you. Oh, no, you missed the Today I Learned Star Wars segment. Oh, no, you literally came in at the end. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Um I'll tell you what, before I end today's show, I will play it one more time uh, because I see there's also some new people watching on another platform, so we'll get to play it again for you guys. Uh, But it's good to see you. Welcome back. And uh, we're transitioning now into Patty Jenkins Rogue One or Rogue One, Rogue Squadron. So I know a lot of you are excited for this movie. I certainly am. I mean, it's going to be the first Star Wars movie since a hiatus after the rise of Skywalker. And it's got to make a big impression. It's got to go in hard. It's got to throw all the punches, you know. And it has been confirmed that Rogue Squadron has added a new production designer. Her name is Aline Bonetto. Now, if you don't know who Aline Bonetto is, she is a production designer who has worked on Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 84. She's a, a very good production designer, I believe. You know, she's done some good stuff. Uh, but she, ha- as far as like big production projects, the only big ones she's done is Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 2. Now, she has worked tons in other independent films, foreign films, things like that. So she is experienced. But as far as big budget things or heavy CGI films, she's only done two movies. So that's one reservation to kind of consider when we're looking at here but i'm gonna give you my thoughts on why i think this might be a good pick for rogue squadron but first let's revisit some comments made by patty jenkins last year about her new film rogue squadron and she said in the star wars rogue squadron movie we're doing something original with great influence from the games and the books there's a lot of things being acknowledged and understood about the greatness of all those things but yes it's an original story and i'm so psyched to do it now, the reason I wanted to bring this up was because, one, it, we established, again, that this is not related to the, you know, any books or any video games or comics that were inspired by Rogue Squadron, the original video game. But rather, it's going to be based on the idea of those because this is a new original story based in a different time, <laughs> a different time period. And uh, it also establishes, again, that this is going to be something new and great and grand And that has to do with this Aline Bonetto's contribution to being the production designer for this movie. Now, what do you guys think of when you think of Star Wars? 
more specifically Star Wars production design. You think mythology, right? And when you think mythology, you think big, grand uh, landscapes. You think world building. You think uh, creatures. You think technology. You think all of this stuff, right? So production design in Star Wars plays a huge, important role. I mean, look at the prequels. Look at the original trilogy. Even the sequel trilogy. All of them had great production design. It's a huge feat. And for this uh, new woman to come in and be the production designer, she's got a huge challenge ahead. But let's take a look at some of the original concept art from her Wonder Woman movies, which is one reason why I think I'm really excited for this. Whether or not you like Wonder Woman or Wonder Woman 84, you know, we're not talking about the story. We're not talking about how it was made. We're talking about the production design, the look and feel and conceptual art of Wonder Woman, because I think it is very, very well done. It grasps the idea of mythos and it's just it's grand. It's kind of Star Wars related and things like that. And if you're watching on the video, you can see some of the original concept art from the Wonder Woman movies. And if you're watch, if you're listening on the podcast, uh, if you've seen the movies, you know what we're talking about. But you can also just look up Wonder Woman concept art and you can see exactly what we're talking about. But then, of course, you can also just look at straight shots from the Wonder Woman movies and you can see that, you know, the landscapes, the tone, the setting, the atmosphere of these movies are, is beautiful to look at. And I'm really excited about um, Eileen Bonetto joining the production for Rogue Squadron. Now, another reason why this is important to talk about. Some of you might be thinking, why are we talking about this? This isn't an actor. This isn't anything else. <laughs> what are we doing? Well, it's important because we're finally getting information about Rogue Squadron, right? It's because they hired the production designer. That means they're starting concept art right now. I mean, the movie comes out in 2023, so they really need to get into gear, which also tells me they have a, uh, a story. They have a story completely mapped out or an outline at least, but they're starting the design process, which means after that, they're going to start building sets. And part of this also concerns me because it makes me think when Kathleen Kennedy signed on Patty Jenkins, was there even a story in mind at the time? Similar to how when Benioff and Weiss, the creators of the Game of Thrones, were hired to make a series of films for Star Wars, they were just hired and then they promoted these unknown films with this unknown plot and then they were fired the next day they didn't even have an idea yet they didn't even start working on it now patty jenkins is a little bit more established and it does seem like they are going forward with this this movie 100 percent. i mean they kind of have to because they've put a lot of money into it already but this is exciting stuff to talk about the other thing i want to mention aline benetto is that is that it yes aline benetto she worked on wonder woman and wonder woman 84 and we do know that Patty Jenkins likes to work with the same people over and over. It's been speculated that um, who's the guy in those movies? Chris Pine is going to be in Rogue Squadron. And it was also rumored that Gal Gadot was going to be in Rogue Squadron. I don't think I want it. I definitely don't. I can't see it. But if it happens, I'll have an open mind. But there is also a very huge possibility that we know who the cinematographer is. For Wonder or for <laughs> Rogue Squadron, and it could very well be Matthew Jensen. If you don't know who Matthew Jensen is, well, he was the cinematographer for Wonder Woman, but he's also shot some episodes of The Mandalorian. 
More specifically, he shot the episode called The Believer and The the Harris and one other, I can't remember the name, but it would make sense he would join Patty Jenkins on Rogue Squadron because one, they've worked together, and two, he's already shot Star Wars movies, so he knows lighting for that world. Very possible. I mean, considering all the rumors we've heard, I think you can hear it here first. Matthew Jensen will be announced as the cinematographer for uh, Star Wars Rogue Squadron. And if that happens, I would have gotten one theory correct on this show. (laughs) But another thing that's interesting about this is we still don't know who's writing the damn thing. I made a whole video a while ago about who I think the writer is. And that is Aaron Sorkin. And if Aaron Sorkin is writing this movie, oh, I am on board no matter who they put in it. They could put Jack Black in the movie (laughs) and I'm on board. Um, Yeah, if Aaron Sorkin was writing it, anything goes for me. I totally trust his writing style. I'm a huge fan. But we still don't know. No one has made comments on this. That could be because either there is no script yet or it's still in development for the script and it hasn't been approved yet because if they're currently developing a script and one writer sends in a first draft and Kathleen Kennedy doesn't like it, he's fired. He's out, right? Or she. So that's a very big possibility as well. But I do find it very interesting and a little stressful that we don't know who the writer is at this time. Uh, I do see a comment here on Twitch. Um, Is that Twitch? Um, yes, they're, they're asking, uh, when does Rogue Squadron take place? So Rogue Squadron, let's take a look at the actual logo. Cause this kind of gives us a hint of when this movie will take place. So if you look at the red silhouette, you can see obviously an X-Wing, but more specifically, it is a T-85 X-Wing, which is the new generation of ships that was used in the movies. Uh, you saw them in Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker, etc. Basically, this time period. But also, you know, back during when this movie was first announced at Investors Day, it was Kathleen Kennedy told us on stage that this movie was going to push the Star Wars story forward, and that it was going to move us into the future of the galaxy. So I, I'm pretty sure this takes place 10, 20 years after The Rise of Skywalker. Which kind of makes me a little nervous too, because you know it's like it's like what what threat is out there? I hope they don't do like another Palpatine like thing, like Palpatine's back again, you know, or like Darth Maul is back or something crazy like that. Um, but I do think it's going to take place after the Rise of Skywalker. I, I hear a lot of people wish it had was going to take place after Return of the Jedi or before, excuse me, The Empire Strikes Back. But, I mean, it's still a possibility. We don't actually know. It could just be for the title. They just put an X-Wing on there and they didn't even think about what they were putting, you know. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, But again, this movie comes out real soon. We're going to start getting a lot more news about Rogue Squadron. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready for this? Because uh, once the summer hits, guarantee, or I'm sorry, not the summer, once the fall hits, that's when they, they do the reorg at Lucasfilm and start talking about the projects, have their quarterly meetings and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to get so much news about Rogue Squadron. So I hope you guys are ready because we're it's going to be overrun. Like it's going to, we're going to hype this thing up. 
I think especially Lucasfilm and Disney is going to hype this up too. You know, again, regardless of what people thought of the Wonder Woman movies and bringing on this new production designer, I think it's a good idea. Again, for those of you who are listening to the podcast or watching online, go check out some of her other stuff. She's a great artist. You know, again, story is the one thing that I'm most concerned about with this. I don't think Patty Jenkins should write the story with whomever writer she has brought on. I think that's when her movies start to fall a little, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm going to head over to the comments and see what you guys are saying, and then we will get out of here for the day. I'm not very enamored with Patty Jenkins as a director. I hope Rogue Squadron is good, but I fear the action won't be as impactful as I want it to be. Oh, sorry, I had to get a a sip of coffee there. So I kind of agree with you. And I think the reason why you might feel that way, Josh, is because Patty Jenkins is still a newer director. She, Yeah, she's directed like, two big blockbusters, one Academy Award winning film. But she's still new as far as she hasn't discovered what her voice is, I think. Like when you say Patty Jenkins, I can't visualize, I can't think of the tone. When you say someone like Christopher Nolan, I know what it's going to feel like, right? Or someone like Spielberg, I know what it's going to feel like. And when, when you say Patty Jenkins, I don't know what that feeling is yet. And maybe we'll discover that in Rogue Squadron. But at this time, I, I totally see what you're saying. <clears throat> we'll have to see. Jenkins is great with the drama and storytelling, but the action feels lacking to me. Uh, I can see that too. And I actually might have some good news for you on that. So as far as the action goes for Wonder Woman, the action was not done by Patty Jenkins. It was actually done by a second unit uh, director and team. So I don't, I don't entirely blame her for that. I blame her for the overall direction of it and oversight. But yes, the action in Wonder Woman, especially the second one, I didn't really enjoy. I like the first one more, um, but I can see what you're saying there. And this is a different type of action, right? This is aerial dogfights, so eh, it'll be a little different. And uh, I see you also say the visuals are excellent. So yeah, visually, visually, I mean, Lucasfilm is going to make this look amazing, right? I, I don't doubt Lucasfilm at all. Um, and I think, you know, that since they have people like Dave Filoni and Doug Chang doing conceptual designs, they're going to be set. I, I'm not worried about that at all. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Mr. 46 over here says, I'm happy that Patty Jenkins will direct Rogue Squadron because the teaser video really hyped me up. But I watched Wonder Woman and I think that the movie was OK, but nothing great. Me too. Me too. And yeah, the, that teaser was great when they made the announcement and she put it on her Twitter and she was like, this is a movie that I want to want. I want to make about my father and blah, blah, blah. And then she walked, put the helmet on and walked towards the X-Wing that that got me hyped, too. If if they can have that level of <clears throat> teaser and hype just build more and more up until the movie's release, they're set. They're totally set. But, you know, as we're talking about it, I can't help but think that this is just going to be like a Rogue One movie. Yes, I said Rogue One, you know, because Rogue One was about a bunch of rogue rebels (laughs) and Rogue Squadron will be about a rogue squadron. Are they all going to die at the end? (laughs) Is there going to be a Rogue Squadron too? Who knows? But it's just, I don't know. For me, Star Wars isn't about the ships. It's not about the soldiers. It's about 
good versus evil, but it, it's also about lightsaber fights. <laughs> as stupid as that sounds, when I want to watch when I watch a Star Wars movie, I I want to be guaranteed a Star Wars fight, a, a lightsaber duel. I mean, if we can get it in the Mandalorian, you know what? We're probably not going to get it in Rogue Squadron. How disappointing is that? If they don't put if we watch Rogue Squadron and there is no lightsaber fight, will you guys be disappointed? And you could say it was the same in Rogue One, but we did have that amazing Darth Vader scene at the end. But there wasn't anything in Solo either. So I don't know. I'm, I'm a little nervous about that. Can Star Wars adapt and make movies not centered around Jedi and Sith and good versus evil? I, I don't know. Uh, it'd be very difficult, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, by the way, I saw that. Thank you, Josh. Love you too, buddy. Uh, let's see here. I think Gal Gadot will have a cameo in Rogue Squadron. I don't, I could, I could definitely see that happening. I just, I don't want it. I don't want that. I mean, she's, when I, when I think of her, I just think Wonder Woman and, you know, she'll probably be typecast here out, but, uh, I don't know. It would kind of take me out of the movie. Don't, don't you think? Uh, let's see. I hope the world building in Rogue Squadron is better than in the sequel trilogy, even though I love the sequel trilogy, but the only really interesting planet for me is Exegol. Yes! Exegol is amazing. And we didn't get to spend much time there or learn about it, which kind of was disappointing. But I totally I totally agree. Exegol is, is amazing. Even though, even though it was kind of random and, you know, I mean, with the whole Palpatine thing, yeah, but the planet itself is cool, right? You're totally on board. And the design of that little Sith headquarters with the giant statues and it was like underground and the floating uh, monolith above the planet, just good stuff like that. I, I totally agree with you. Yo, Year Network, what's going on? Is It's good to see you, my friend. Is Patty doing Rogue Squadron? Didn't she just do Wonder Woman 84? Yes, you must be late to the party. Uh Welcome, by the way. It's good to see you, buddy. Yes, uh, Patty Jenkins is directing Rogue Squadron. And um, let me just bring up her quote real quick for anyone who's just joining us now. So she said that this movie, we're doing something original with a great influence from the games and the books. But there's a lot of things being acknowledged and understood about the greatness of all those things. But yes, it's an original story, and I'm so psyched to do it. So Brand new idea based on an old property, Rogue Squadron. And it was just announced that her new production designer is Aline Bonetto from the Wonder Woman movies. My theory is that she's going to bring on board uh, Matthew, what's his name? Matthew Jensen, who is the cinematographer, <clears throat> who was who has re recently shot episodes of The Mandalorian Season 2. So I think that's going to happen as well because she obviously likes to work with the same people over and over. Um, exciting stuff to talk about in theory, but will the movie be good? That's what we're. Well, that's what's in question. Will this be? A, will this movie be able to bring Star Wars back? Right, regardless of if you like or dislike sequels or the prequels or anything, will this movie be able to bring back the Star Wars hype? Because I think they struggled a little bit at the beginning thinking it was like Marvel. They could do a movie a year and they could just, you know, saturate it, not on purpose, but you know, that's what ended up happening. And now they're trying to plan things out in the future. There was a hiatus, which means 
once Star Wars comes back, it has to come back hard. They can't just drop a movie down and be mediocre. When this next movie comes, it has to be fantastic. <laughs> they can't they can't hold any shots back. It it has to be everything, you know, it, it's got to be the best movie that they can do at this time. So, yes, very interesting. Uh we see Maul ignite in his saber and solo. Ah. We do see that, don't we? Thanks for pointing that out. That's the thing. It's like I don't think they understand. They're like, oh, Star Wars, we have to show a lightsaber. No, that's not what we want. Because that's that ending of Solo, that, that, when Darth Maul pops up on the screen, was the best part of that movie. And in my opinion, the only good part about that movie. <laughs> when Darth Maul shows up at the end of the movie. But it was it was kind of like, you know, a slap into the face to the audience. Because... We're watching it, and it's just like, well, where was he the whole time? I mean, it was kind of a bad movie the whole rest of the time, and now it, there's no guarantee that he's ever going to come back. And it's like, oh, here's a lightsaber. Don't you like this movie now? It, I don't know. It was kind of it was lackluster, you know. The same thing with Rogue One. You know, it's a good movie to a lot of people, but throwing in that Darth Vader thing, I mean, it was a last minute addition to the movie. It wasn't in the script. Which tells me someone was just like, yo, we got to put lightsabers in this thing. So I don't want them to be like, you know, throw in lightsabers wherever they can. You know, I want it to have a meaning. I don't just want a lightsaber to have a lightsaber because it's Star Wars, you know? And I think that's what they focus on right now. They're like, what is Star Wars? Weird aliens, diversity, uh, lightsabers, ships, and uh, I don't know, blasters. Right. So they're like, just put all that in there. But they don't have any meaning. What George Lucas did was he had meaning to each of those things. A lightsaber was an elegant weapon from a more from a more civilized time. Right. In the original trilogy. That in itself told you a whole lore about Star Wars that we had yet to learn. And then, of course, we got the prequels and we learned about them. But it wasn't just for fighting each lightsaber battle in the prequels had a beautiful meaning behind it. You can look at Yoda versus Count Dooku. You know, the fight for the loss of Qui-Gon Jinn, so to speak. You can look at the Darth Maul fight in Phantom Menace. Amazing. Uh, the Yoda and Palpatine fight. The ultimate bad versus the ultimate good. I mean, we need the meaning back to these things. Star Wars can be great, but we have to, you know, we have to focus on what it really is about, not just surface level stuff. Um, and I hope that wasn't like... It didn't seem like it was directed towards you, Josh. Uh, you just said something that made me think about it. Um, but I think we're all totally on board uh, in the chat here. Uh, I know it's very early for that, but what do you think is the box office potential for Rogue Squadron? That's an interesting comment. Uh, Josh says, I think it'll do about 650 to 700 million global. Uh, and Max thinks about a billion dollars. So let me think about this for a second. Okay, so we're talking about 2023. The pandemic will definitely be gone. <laughs> you know, cross your fucking fingers. Um, and everything will be back to normal. It'll be the first Star Wars movie in a long time. Uh, the marketing budget will probably be around 300 to $350 million, right? So as far as how much I make, I think it'll make in the box office, I think minimum 
minimum 800 million. So I, you know, I have nothing to back that up with. I think as of right now, Star Wars movies average a billion dollars. The lowest Star Wars movie made uh, $500 million at the box office, which was Solo. And that was a bad movie. If Patty Jenkins makes a good movie, I think at minimum it has $800 million, which would mean that this movie would only profit about $200 million because I think the budget at this time is $200 million or something like that, maybe $150 million for the budget. $300 million marketing push. And then, you know, I don't know. I, I think $800 million, but I do think it's also too early to tell. Once we see the first trailer and once we learn about the cast, if it's a good cast, if it's an A-list cast, it'd be a lot more. Definitely. Um, it probably up into that $800 million range. But if it's if it's like a cast of nobodies, like brand new actors, I don't think so. I think I think it's more around around like what Josh is saying, maybe like five to six hundred, seven hundred million. Uh, but we'll have to see. But if I had to put money down, if I had to put money down on it, I would probably say a hundred million. But we'll have to wait and see. But guys, that is all I have for you today. Like I said, we didn't have much to talk about. Not much going on in Star Wars, but we did have this bit of news about Patty Jenkins' movie, which is. Um, relatively new like i think it came out last night uh so pretty important stuff but i did promise that i would play another uh repeat of today i learned star wars which is my favorite one so far and then we will head out of here uh but until next time my friends you know if you're watching on the youtube if you made it all the way through to this video please consider subscribing uh, we do videos all the time and don't forget uh you know i missed bad batch this week but i will be doing my episode six review really soon. I, I'm going to try and watch it today. I've heard this one's good, uh, but look out for that episode coming to the podcast and give this podcast a follow. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify or anywhere else you listen to and rate and review on Apple podcasts, that helps out so much. If you rate and review this podcast, uh, that would mean a lot to me as well. Uh, and of course we'll be back next week, next Monday on the show at noon, uh, talking about more star Wars, and I have some other important things coming up too, some collaborations that I've yet to talk about. As soon as I'm able to talk about it, I will talk about it. But anyway, thank you guys so much. And uh, here is Today I Learned Star Wars one more time, and then uh, we will say adieu. This week on Today I Learned Star Wars. Before George Lucas sold Star Wars to Disney, he started work on the sequel trilogy himself. With the help of screenwriter Michael Arndt, they started penning the script for Episode 7, featuring a new female lead Jedi. Rey almost wasn't called Rey. Previous versions of the character were known as Sally, Rachel, and Kira. Sally and Rachel were likely placeholders, but Kira lasted right up until they began shooting and was changed after it leaked to the public. Michael Arndt described the character that would become Rey as a loner, hothead, gearhead, badass woman. That's Today I Learned Star Wars. Tune in next week for more fun facts on Han Talks First. Is it possible to learn this power? Okay, my friends, thank you again for watching with us. If you're watching on YouTube or Twitch or on the podcast, again, we'll be back really soon. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And I'm actually going to try and do another stream on YouTube later this week uh, just for fun, not for a podcast episode. So if you want to join us, I'll let you know when. And also, Loki is on Wednesday. 
Me and Chris will be back doing the Marvel talk show after show thing. We'll talk about Loki, give our thoughts and opinions, and you know, you'll get to see her again, which is really great. So until then, everybody, and uh, until next time I see you, somehow, someway, somewhere this week, may the force be with you. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first.